Okay, so I'd like to uh, spend some time today to expand on the topic of mindfulness. Talk a little bit about what it is and how we can develop it uh, to find more happiness and fulfillment in our lives. Normally, during the course of our daily life, we think that we're always aware of what's happening around us, uh, that we see things for what they really are. But the truth is that we see and react to the objects in our environment based on our old habits and our conditioned responses. We're all just products of how we've been conditioned. That's why you see all sorts of people with different personalities. Um, their personalities have been shaped by how they've been conditioned in the past, by their surroundings, by their upbringing, by the people that they associate with, by their habitual thoughts. In fact, everything starts with a thought. As they say, you sow a thought, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap your destiny. Our destiny is not determined by the existence of some god or divine being, but it's you yourself who determines your future. You are the master and creator of your own destiny. Now, in the West, this idea has long been used by people like James Allen, uh, Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie, who pioneered the self-help movement to help benefit and transform the lives of millions around the world. The idea that positive thinking, that thinking positive and constructive thoughts will actualize into positive outcomes, that's something that's been around in the West for many years now. And that makes a lot of sense. But we also know that a character is the formation of years and years of thoughts that accumulate to form our own personality. And as Buddhists, we not only believe that it's the thoughts that we think in this life that determine our character, but also the thoughts that accumulate from lifetimes and lifetimes before uh, that form our character in this present life. So if you just think about how much we've been conditioned by our past experiences and thoughts, then you can imagine just how difficult it would be to try to change your character by thinking new thoughts about yourself. Uh, and these new thoughts essentially challenge the core of who you think yourself to be. The fact is, Everything that we do or say is a result of our conditioning. 
uh, our race, gender, upbringing, our past experiences, they condition the way that we think and they dictate the choices that we make as well. The type of food that you like to eat, uh, the friends that you like to associate with, uh, your idea of an ideal friend or partner, all that is conditioned. So when you come to think about it, we're not actually free in the sense that we don't really freely make decisions about the choices that we make. Because all the choices that we make are the result of how we've been conditioned in the past. So now that we've established that we're simply creatures of habit, we know that breaking the mold of who we see ourselves to be uh, can be a very difficult thing to do. We won't last very long if we rely on sheer willpower to change the way we think about ourselves and change the thoughts that we think on a normal basis. Doing that is like trying to swim against the current. Uh, you won't get very far uh, before you give up from fatigue. So if we want to make positive changes in our life, we need to get on a big boat, a boat that has a strong motor that can guide us to our destination safely. And so what is that big boat that we can sit on to get to our destination? This big boat can make big transformations in our life by changing the way we think about ourselves. This boat is what we call mindfulness. Now mindfulness is being able to hold all experience in non-judgmental awareness. It's the power of the mind to be aware of what's going on around you without bias or judgment. When we hold all our thoughts under this kind of awareness, we gradually peel away, layer after layer, all the conditioning that we've built up from our past thoughts and experiences. Uh, we begin to see things as they truly are, without bias or judgment. Now, some of you may have heard of the Zen analogy of emptying your cup. Uh, so we live our life like a cup that's been filled to the brim with water. Um, it's been filled to the brim with our opinions and biases. And so if we want to seek improvement and um, start finding real happiness in our life, we have to first empty that cup of water before you can put anything new in. And the way in which we do this is through practicing mindfulness. Mindfulness is what empowers our mind to be aware of what's going on around us. And it can come in varying degrees. So most people only have average mindfulness. They can pick up on certain things that are happening around them, but they miss out on a lot of what's going on. So for these people, it's like carrying a flashlight in the evening 
when they're walking through the forest. So they can vaguely see what's ahead of them, but they miss out on everything else that's surrounding them. And then you have some people with very poor mindfulness. And for those people, they experience life as if they're blind. They, they live in darkness, and they only know how to follow their moods and emotions to get around in life. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have the enlightened sages. And these people have devoted their life to developing their minds to a very high state of mindfulness. And for these people, it's like walking through the forest with a huge searchlight. Uh, their field of vision is so wide and deep that they can pick up and be aware of everything that's happening around them. We should clarify that when I'm talking about mindfulness, I'm not just talking about being perceptive and alert to your surroundings. Uh, that's certainly one of the benefits of mindfulness, but that doesn't uh, fully capture the meaning of mindfulness. Uh, there are some people who can be uh, sharp and alert to their surroundings, uh, but still have weak mindfulness. So it's the same kind of difference between intelligence and wisdom. Someone can be very intelligent, but still lack wisdom. But someone who has wisdom will always have intelligence. Intelligence is like the small circle that's being encompassed by the larger circle of wisdom. And mindfulness is really the same. Mindfulness encompasses the smaller circle of being alert and, and perceptive to your surroundings. Uh, the difference, uh, as I understand it, is that wisdom and mindfulness is directed towards truly understanding ourselves and our own minds. Whereas intelligence, being alert and perceptive to your surroundings, all these other things are directed towards understanding the world outside of ourselves. Now, most people are only interested in learning about everything that's outside of themselves. They like to use their senses to experience and enjoy things in the world. Now, I was asked uh, a question last week, it was a very good question, uh, about why it is that the world encourages us to seek externally rather than look for answers within. Now, I think that one of the main reasons is because we think that happiness is found outside of ourselves. We predicate our happiness on being able to obtain things in the world, like wealth, uh, fame, status, friends. We never really stop to think that our happiness is actually determined by the state of our mind um, rather than by our external circumstances because it's the mind that experiences everything in the world.
It's the mind that determines the quality of every moment you experience in the world. Now, another reason why we're encouraged to seek externally rather than internally is, is because of science. Um, for centuries since the scientific revolution, uh, we've placed our emphasis on understanding things in the outside world, uh, going off into space uh, to understand our solar system, understanding the nature of matter in this universe, so all our efforts have been used to, to focus on learning and understanding the outside world rather than the subject that perceives this world, which is the mind. So if I were to use an analogy, science and modern society tells us that we should look at things uh, in the outside world for true understanding. Just like viewing uh, a telescope from the small end and looking out towards the sky. But what Buddhism tells us is that we should walk to the other side of the telescope, the larger end, and look back in to see who's actually doing the viewing. So when we talk about building mindfulness and building wisdom, we're talking about directing our attention inwards, uh, looking back in from the other side of the telescope to see who, it, who actually is doing the looking. Mindfulness is really introverting your attention to focus and to be aware uh, of what's happening in your own mental world. So the next question that we should ask ourselves is, why do we need to develop it? Well, we know that our mental world is composed of many, many thoughts. And new thoughts are constantly being formed uh, by our imagination and uh, as we experience the world through our senses. Our conditioned mind gives meaning to the thoughts that we think. And in the process, it gives rise to different emotions many of which are negative and self-centered, like greed, hatred, uh, pride, jealousy, envy, fear, all these emotions. And these emotions, they happen unconsciously without us being aware that they're happening. So mindfulness is holding all these thoughts in a bare awareness so that we can be aware of this unconscious process that's happening inside of us. And as soon as we become conscious of it, then the negative emotion will stop. Uh, in other words, rather than identifying with the contents of uh, what we think uh, and giving rise to all these negative emotions, uh, what we're doing is we're no longer becoming defined by what we think and feel. So we just begin to see things the way that they truly are, that it's just a process uh, that arises and passes, that really there's no substance to the thoughts that we think, but it's just the coming together and the breaking up of 
certain causes and conditions. So the next question that we should ask ourselves is, when we practice mindfulness, where should our attention be placed? Should it be placed on the object of consciousness? Or should it be placed on the subject, the person who's doing the watching? Now, I think most of us would probably say that we should place our attention on the object of consciousness. Um, I mean, isn't that what we're taught to do? I mean, when we're told to meditate, we're told to focus on the breath itself. So the breath is the object of attention. And we're told to focus on the in and the out breath, uh, notice all of its qualities, uh, how deep, how long the breath is, the gap in between, all these qualities. Um, we're told to focus on the object of this attention. And I think for people who are starting out to learn meditation and mindfulness, uh, this is the right answer. But if we look at it more deeply, why do we meditate? We meditate to let go. To let go of our attachments, to let go of all our defilements. And where do these attachments and defilements live? Do they live with the object or do they live with the observer, the person who's watching? Well, the answer is neither. There's nothing inherently wrong with the object or the observer. The problem is what lies in between the observer and the object. So that's where we should be focusing our attention. On the space that's in between the observer and the object. That's where all the defilements of greed, hatred, and delusion, that's where all these defilements live, in the space between the object and the observer. Now, as I mentioned in my uh, talk last week, um, I gave a talk on suffering and self-compassion. And I mentioned that suffering doesn't come from the actual experience of negative events in your life. Um, suffering comes from what you add on to those events. Uh, so essentially, what you put in between you and the object. That's where the suffering comes from. So when you're experiencing negative events in your life, if you're always putting resistance and fear in that space between you and the object of your experience, which is the negative event that you're experiencing at the moment, then you'll experience suffering. But as soon as you can start to build awareness that you're placing these negative emotions in between you and the object, 
and learn to replace those negative emotions with thoughts and feelings of uh, compassion towards yourself, uh, of warmth, of love, of understanding towards your suffering, then that's when you can transform that suffering into happiness. Now, in the same way, when we practice mindfulness, we should be mindful of what we're putting in between the observer, which is us, and our object. Uh, in other words, we should be looking at how we see instead of what we see. So when we watch our breath, we should ask ourselves, how are we watching it? Are we watching it with uh, controlling? With wanting something? With aversion? That's what we should be mindful and conscious of. And if we're using the body as an object for our contemplation, if we're practicing contemplating the impurities of the body, should we be focusing just on the 32 parts of the body? No. What we should be doing is looking at how we are seeing this body. So are you seeing this body with desire, with lust, uh, with aversion? That's what we should be placing our attention on. So when we start to develop mindfulness in this way, to start noticing what it is that we're putting between us and the object, looking at how we see instead of what we see, then all the negative emotions and defilements that exist between you and the object, that will gradually disappear uh, over time without a trace. Um, just like a bird uh, leaving no trace as it flies across the sky. And when we start to do this, then we can take control of our lives. Uh, we no longer become slaves to our conditioning, um, which can lead to all these uh, negative thoughts and emotions. Um, and as soon as we can do that, then we also take control of the thoughts that we think. And as I mentioned earlier, when you start taking control of the thoughts that you think, then you're able to form new habits, and with new habits, you can change your character, and in turn, that will determine your destiny.